12. Remain standing for the word if you're physically able to do so. Take your scriptures and go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2, for today's lesson. Thank you, Pastor Chad, for that beautiful song and the choir for the music and worship. And if you'll check our website or your bulletin, you'll find the opportunities that are many between now and Christmas for enriching your season with the blessings of the Lord. Next Sunday is part of our worship. The choir will present a special presentation of music with the Christmas emphasis as part of the worship and then the word. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, Monday evening, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, we have two services, candlelight communion service. They will not be more than about an hour and 15 minutes each, so we respect the time that you will spend here as well as with your family. And then we, we just move forward. It's not too early to save Christmas. Come on, say amen. Because sometimes it can create a lot of anxiety and stress. But we've got to get focused and perspective, don't we? Which helps me now to bring this word to you in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. You know, having had the wonderful privilege of serving so many years as the pastor of this church, one of the challenges is that you don't repeat yourself too often by preaching. But here we are at Christmas, and the, probably the thickest folder in my file folders of sermons that I have, over maybe 1,500 of them, uh, is, this, is the folder on Christmas. I have many sermons on Christmas. And I always try to come with a way of saying, well, how can I do it differently that I didn't do last year? Or how can I do what I did several years ago and cover it up so they don't recognize it? And so I was really tempted to go back to the folder, pull something up, Pastor Jeff, give it another title and say, hey, have this. Not beyond it. But I, the Lord led me to this Matthew chapter 2, the, the, the story of the wise men. And He didn't let me go back to my folder. He just said, let's just go this together. And while so much of this is familiar to you, and you could tell it yourself, there are nuggets in it that you see when you revisit it that you may not have seen other times. I pray that's the case for us this morning. Matthew 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler." who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, and I will come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw this star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen? 
Point your hands in my direction. I just need you to pray for 20 seconds. Would you ask God to help me so I can be a blessing and I'll ask Him to help you? Let's pray together. Father, I know many prayers have already been offered up, but I just offer one more prayer. That I do not operate in the arm of the flesh. I pray for inspiration, for impartation, for remembrance, for utterance from the Holy Ghost. I pray that I would be a vessel that brings honor to you and it would be less about me and more about you. I pray that for all of us. Oh God, I know that we have many things on our agenda, but I pray that you would arrest our minds and our, and our intellect and our consciousness so that we would focus on your word. So that by your word we can grow every moment of our time together and beyond. Thank you for honoring your word with your anointing. And everyone say amen. And amen it is as you're seated in this presence. Thank you, Jesus. So I'd like to talk to you about the gifts of Christmas. And I'd like to learn some lessons as a reminder or afresh from the wise men. Because here we are at a time of the year where there are all kinds of models of giving and receiving. And many of them are good. And many of them we need to emulate. But when we go back to the Word of God, and we understand that God is the greatest example, and so God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, the greatest example of the gift and the giver, there's no better source than the Word of God to help us understand this business of gifts. And especially in this story of the wise men. As I look at their account, I find some things that stand out that I would like to highlight, first of which is... When I look at the wise men, I understand their gifts were personally given. I guess I'm impressed that, first of all, their gifts not only personally given, I think about the fact that they were wealthy people, but they were from another country. In fact, they were from what is known today as present-day Iraq. They could have sent their gifts. They could have FedEx or UPS their gifts. Help me hear somebody. They could have gone to the catalog and had it delivered at the stable right on time. But there's something about a personal touch that nothing else can replace. Can I get an amen? When you read their story and you see the personal touch, and your Bible perhaps is still open, and I pray if it isn't, you will. Matthew 2, verse 2. For they said in the latter part of that verse, For we have seen the star in the east and have come... To worship Him. We didn't send somebody to represent us. You came today. Not out of your spiritual responsibility. But you have come to worship Him. Uh, I know some will be a holy roller and roll over in their bed while they watch their favorite preacher this morning on TV. But you, oh, you have come. Because He has come to bless us. But, but then if you, if you will, look at verse number 9, and it says here about the personal touch of it. Verse 9, when they inquired of Herod and the religious people, when they arrived there in the proximity of Bethlehem, it says, and when they heard the king, meaning Herod, they departed. They didn't just come nearby, they went to exactly where he was. And here's another personal touch, if you will. Verse number 10 says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
The personal touch was not that they were just bringing gifts that were tangible and representative of their adoration, but their gifts were accompanied with the personal bowing down. They fell down before Him. Can I get an amen? Their, their, their gifts were, were a gifts of worship and adoration. You have done that this morning. But it's not only that we do that at Christmas time. Can I get an amen? I believe sometimes in your car you ought to shut off the talk show people and just praise God on your way. I believe that you ought to sacrifice and I ought to sacrifice some of our favorite television stuff or, or even some time on the internet or dismiss an email or a text and say this is my time to just be personal with God. As I think about their gift, I think that we all should learn that their gifts were properly given. Can I get another amen? It was more than a gift of substance, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it was a gift of worship and glory and honor and praise. You see, I have come to understand that in the pressure of the season, some of our gifts and giving tend to have an uh, obligatory posture. Uh, there, there, there are kinds of ways that we give at Christmas that, that, that I'm guilty of and you are too, but it comes out of uh, maybe the wrong model for giving. And it's not properly given. I, as I think about the season of the year, I think that uh, the kinds of gift we give at Christmas time can be uh, sort of a gift for a gift gift. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about because you, you, you're responding. Basically is when we get a gift from somebody, we figure out how much it was, and then we go to the store and buy them a gift about the same price. (laughs) And that kind of gift and giving has to do with keeping a mental list of the value of the gift. Uh, We are not talking about anybody here. Have you ever heard somebody say around Christmas time about this gift giving business, I got them something nice and they didn't even give me anything in return. That's the kind of keeping score gift. That's why CVS and Walmart and the corner drugstore and the convenience store stay open on Christmas Eve because they, people run all over the place realizing, my goodness, I didn't expect them to give me a gift and now I got to go get a gift for a gift gift to give them. And in this part, if we have the wrong model, we won't have the right attitude. Have you ever done that way with your Christmas cards? You make out your Christmas card list and you send them all out. And lo and behold, on Christmas Eve, you get a Christmas card from somebody you did not send a card to. <laughs> you think, you know, if I send it now, they'll get it for New Year's. And under the pressure of that, we can do some things sometimes that makes us miserable and broke. And that's what, that's what Jesus came for. Then, then there is the for a favor gift. Oh, yeah. Now, the person that gives that gift doesn't expect a gift in return for Christmas. But by giving you that gift, they expect something nice from you later on down the road should they need a favor. Oh, help me here. I'm going to incriminate myself. I'm giving you a ham here for Christmas or a turkey. I don't expect you to give me a ham or a turkey. I'm just giving you. But if my car was to break down long about March, 
Oh, if I, if I need a babysitter for my child, it's all like a, for a favor gift. Y'all go ahead and cry and smile, whatever. But you know, we, 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 we've kind of, kind of done that. You know, long about the, the, everybody gets a bonus around Christmas, but sometimes there's a motive behind that. Long about April, you talk nasty about the boss and he said, didn't I give you? That's, that's not the kind of giving that the wise men did. But then there is this gift that, that we want to model. It's the, it's the grace gift. Can I get an amen, somebody? And the best way I can describe a grace gift is that it is unrepayable, if that's a word. You can't pay back a grace gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You cannot repay a gift like that because nobody else is qualified to die for us. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, laid aside His royal diadem, laid aside His deity in heaven over 2,000 years ago, took off His crown from sitting beside the throne of the Father, took off His royal robe, laid down His scepter, came as a baby born in a manger to a virgin by the name of Mary, and was born in the flesh, became flesh, took our sins and our sorrows, and 33 Three and a half years later, hang on a cross in shame, took our blame and said, it's all free. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I give it to you. It's a grace gift. Come on and praise the Lord. I've been preaching on grace. And that's the kind of model that we follow. You know what a grace gift is? A grace gift is that you are overdue on your payment for the house or the car or the credit card or borrowing money from somebody else, you overdue it payment and interest, but because of grace, they let you pay an installment plan and they take off the interest. Oh, they just, because of a grace gift, sometimes you may even get a debt canceled. You don't even expect it. Don't deserve it. Can I get an amen here? Grace gift. What's a grace gift? It's if you're a student in high school or in college, and, uh, or, or you may be an adult going through a certain uh, time of your life where you're pursuing a degree and improving yourself. A grace gift is that you're raising a family if you are an adult and you're trying to get an education, but the child got sick or you got sick or the car broke down. The term paper that you owe at the end of the term is due but now the grace gift says, I'll let you turn it in a few days late knowing your circumstances and I won't even subtract a letter grade. That's, that's grace. The, the grace gift is, you give, if you have the power to give somebody time off from the job, they've used up all their vacation, they've used up all of their sick leave, but there are some pending issues and and you, you know that the fear might be that if you give them some grace, they may ask for some more. But your grace gift just says, you know what? We'll cover and we'll do it. Because we don't want to do a gift for a gift or a gift for a favor. We just want to be like Jesus. Let, let, let me move on with the, with the example of, of this grace gift. When you think about a grace gift and the gifts that God gives us all year long, not just at Christmas, you understand it's impossible to measure the cost. Can I get an Amen. You see, I, I think sometimes, and, and, and I'm needing to learn and grow, but it's not all about money. It's not all about 
boxes and wrappings and bows and tinsels. It's about some things that money can't buy. It's about a group of people every month in this church going to a nursing home and taking little tokens and blessing the residents whose family said, we're checking you in, but we'll check on you every week. You know the rest of that story for some people? It's about giving that time and giving a little love and a little... It's about the men who are right now, as I'm preaching to you this morning, who are at the prison system in Coweta County, who have taken their Bibles. It's about the brother Jose Aponte and his team who have asked us to order Bibles in Spanish, English, whatever is appropriate for that inmate. And they go by and sometimes there's only five of them there. Sometimes there's one of them there. Sometimes there's more. But they take a little bit of time and they say, you know what? You are here and you are incarcerated. But I've come by to tell you that there's a Away, and Jesus is his name. And we have a family of people known as South Metro Ministry who sent us by to tell you we love you. You, you, you can't hardly measure that kind of, of gift. Can I get an amen, somebody? It's impossible to measure. And I can just reflect, and I was doing so in this lesson as I was preparing here, and just things keep coming to my mind. I remember uh, serving as a youth pastor in Greer, South Carolina. It was 19... 19- 84. And I had, I had graduated college in 1980 and I'd served for four years as a youth pastor. One, uh, one stint here in Georgia for three years and then in South Carolina for a year and uh, about eight months. Our first uh, child was uh, three years old, it being Jennifer. And, uh, and then about that time, God blessed us with uh, our planning and such. Kimberly came along and she was six, years, six months old rather when we moved here in 1985. But before moving here to, to this church to pastor in 1985, I was in quarry and searching about, God, where do you want me? I'm 28 years old, 27, 28 years old. I've been to college and you've helped me. God gave me grants that I got from the government. God gave me money from other people and I borrowed other money for finishing my study. And God, I've grown up in the church of God. I've been a church of God pastor's son. You called me to preach. I said I wanted to go to school and you helped me to go there. I've served, I told you I wanted to serve under mentors in the ministry before I became a pastor. Now where do I go? I sent out 13 different resumes to 13 different administrative bishops in the church of God in various states. I went on personal interviews. I preached revivals. Wherever I could get meetings, I would, I would go. I substitute teach so I could, uh, uh, could subsidize the income of our family. My first job was working for Hardee's for $1.60 an hour. In high school, you know. And, but God took care of all of us. And, and, and along the way, there became a place where I couldn't hear from God. No doors were opening. The bishops I wrote to tell send them my resume and imply to them what a great gift from God I would be to them. They said, you don't call us, we will. Oh, y'all wrote them too? There was a gentleman by the name of Mott Sutherland. Mott Sutherland worked for Sears and Roebuck in the appliance department. His wife worked at the administrative office for the Church of God in South Carolina. Mott was not a wealthy man, but he did good in managing and he took care of himself. And he led the senior ministry of the church and he was a treasurer of the church that I was serving in. Mott saw my passion and my prayers and he and I were not buddies. He he was, wow, you know, taller. And you're laughing because everybody else is taller than me. But he was significantly taller. Mott said to me one day, he said, Alan, come on. He called me. He said, get in my truck. I, I, I want to do something with you. He, 
I got in his truck. He said, this is what I want to do. Let's go spend a little time in lunch. We went to the S&S Cafeteria on Highway 291 in Greenville, South Carolina. I know exactly where it is. I've never forgotten this. Every time I go by there, when I go to South Carolina to visit my dad. Because you see, when you get a special gift that money can't buy, you don't have to have a computer to bring up a file to let you remember who blessed you. Mark took me to lunch, and he said, you know what, I want, after we have lunch, I want to drive all over the place here. And if God is speaking to your heart to plant a church in Greenville County, South Carolina, my wife and I and our children will leave our church that we've been in for years, and we will go as, as one of the founding families to help you plant a church if that's what God is saying to you. I want to tell you, I, I don't even remember what I had for lunch. I don't rem- But what I do remember is that man taking me all over that county and saying, now, if the church doesn't open up for you and you don't get a call from an overseer or you don't get another assignment, I want you to know, Alan, I believe in you. Last year, Mark went to be with the Lord. He, he passed away. He suffered in his latter years with uh, Parkinson's disease. But his wife, uh, who is such a blessing, we, we talked to along the way. And I, I say to you this morning, when Mark Sutherland did that for me, God changed it. I didn't have to go that route. But I'll never forget a man who took time enough to say, you are valuable. I love you. God called you. And I believe in you. Has anybody ever blessed you somewhere that you want to thank God for? I, I, I will tell you about this gift. These gifts that, that the wise men gave. That God would have us give all year long are usually non-material gifts. Can I get a witness? What, what, What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean they are together gifts. Oh, help me, Jesus. Again. We not, there should be no complaints about I have no gifts to give. Pa rupa pom pom. Everybody's got something to give. If you got breath and you got life. And you're sucking up days on the calendar. You got something to give. Together time. And I tell you, for some people, it means more than you sending a card or writing a check. My dad is 82 years old. He'll be preaching this morning and tonight. I saw him last March at his birthday. And time evolved through the summer. I did not get to see him. And I always want, I'm going to go next week. I'm going to go next week. Before... Thanksgiving, I just called out the time. Went on a Monday and came back on a Tuesday evening. Greenville, South Carolina, about three, 350 miles round trip. And all I wanted to do was to just spend a little time with my dad. Just to be together with him. Let me tell you this. There is not another male figure in all the world who I admire more, from whom I've gotten more, who is my greatest fan than my father, whose name is Sam Matura. And the more I see my dad live out grace and giving and anointing and love, the more I want to be like him. Every Sunday morning at 15 to 9, we call my dad from my office on the speakerphone. And there's about 8, 10, sometimes 12 guys with me. And we'll pray for his church and he'll pray for our church. I know you've heard me say that before. Some of you may not. I want to tell you something. You know what my dad and mom passed down to me? Money cannot buy. They passed down to me the appreciation for the Word of God. 
They pass down to me, uh, they pass down to me gifts that money values about family, about marriage, about children, about the fear of God, about honoring my elders, about blessing people. I'm, I'm still learning. But you know what? My dad didn't need another 50 bucks or a hundred dollars. I go out to eat with him. I said, Dad, you don't have to buy for me now. I, I got my own job now. I go out to eat with him. We go to the Indian restaurant. Hallelujah. And my sisters, both of my sisters are there. And I want to impress them by paying for the meal. And my dad goes ahead and pays for the meal. And I wasn't trying to play that game so he could have time to go. You know how we do that. (laughs) If I sit here long enough, somebody else will pay for this. Oh, God help me. I said, Dad, I could. But the together gift is what I was. We need to do that. And then there is the, the service gift. Can, can I get an amen? amen? There are people in this church who saw a need in my life for this ministry and just started serving. And, and I, I'm, I'm reluctant to mention names because I don't want to think somebody was left out. And then I've got to give a gift for a gift gift to make them happy. <laughs> but I say this not because I'm trying to gain some favors later on, but every Sunday morning, Officer Eddie Kirk meets me here at 7 o'clock in the morning. And he can't stand it when I come at 6.45 and don't tell him. That's a gift of service. Because I'm here early and it's still dark. Now, you know, let me, let me say this to you. That sometimes our, our guys stand up here at the front and d- doesn't give access to the platform. Not because I think I'm some great shake and I got my own little secret service team. You understand? The, the, the idea is, however... That not everybody who comes to church may like the preacher. You ever heard me preach? This is a generous day. But I've told people, I've told that wife to leave that rotten husband in jail. Who do you think he's going to come looking for after he gets out of jail? Huh? Uh, my, my point is, and that's not always the case, but you know, you know in America... That the church used to be a place of reverence and awe and hallowed ground. But last month, wasn't it last month, a gentleman at Creflo Dollars Church teaching a Bible study was deliberately gunned down. Two Sundays ago in another city. My point is I'm not living paranoid and I don't have a bulletproof vest and I don't have any weapons on me. Unless this microphone is one and it can be in a way. But, but there, there are people who say if you're going, they're, they're service gifts. Now, now, that may not be you. There's Kirk Hamilton used to live here among us when he built this church years ago. And he works for a construction company that, uh, that has been, who built this church. But Kirk is also, when he, when he worked here 15 years ago, Kirk and Donna, they gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Was born again as a construction supervisor at this church and became members. Whenever Kirk lived around here and he'd come to our house, he would bring his toolbox, his power screwdriver and power whatever else because he's a fix-it-up man, okay? I mean, he'd bring his laser this and laser that and come to the house because I'm telling you something. I can't beat my way out of a wet paper bag. I can't even build a doghouse, much less a birdhouse. I bought my wife power drills and power tools because when we open up gifts for the children that says, Some assembly required, it's right out of hell. Anything I've assembled together never turned out what the picture of the box meant for it to be. But Kirk would show up at the house. He wouldn't have to be told. And my wife would love to see him come. Service gifts. Uh, uh, is this helping anybody else? Helping me? 
Encouragement gifts. Can I get another amen? Wow. Encouragement gifts. I'm talking about the fact that... uh, Here's Brother James Powell to my right. Brother James is 93. 93? 93 years old. His wife, Sister Evelyn, his son is the founding pastor of this church. He lives in Christian City and the facilities there, but he's here when he can be. But I remember the first Sunday, Brother James, that we came to serve as pastor of this church, March 24, 1985. Kimberly was six weeks old. We were away from my mother and father in South Carolina because they're ministering there. So the kids had no grandparents nearby. We were away from Valerie's mom and dad because they were ministering in North Carolina. Valerie was called to play the piano. She has a six-year-old infant. We don't know anybody in the church except maybe one or two. And she immediately sees Brother James and Sister Evelyn, who's going to be with the Lord, and she hands Kimberly to Sister Evelyn. And Evelyn Powell, until Kimberly was old enough to walk and, and, and do her own stuff, always took care of Kimberly. She became a grandma. We called her Grandma Powell and Papa Powell. She, that was an encouragement gift. The girls will never forget it. And money cannot buy what, what she has done and what they've done. I'm telling you, everybody has a way to give a gift if we let the Holy Ghost help us to be that. Let, let me hasten. So what did we learn from the wise men? We learned that we can give an unexpected gift. Can I get an amen, church? When we came to, to this town. Oh, here I go, uh, reminiscing now. You'll get old enough one day where you'll remember more what happened 20 years ago than what you ate for dinner yesterday. We come to this town and we need a pediatrician. His name escapes me, but he and his brothers were pediatrician in the same office in downtown Noonan. And some of you might know he's, he, he was Glover, Doctor's Glover. By the way, Martha, what are you doing here? (laughs) David made you come. David had open heart surgery. Don't forget Dr. Glover. I'm coming back there. Open heart surgery for the replacing of an aortic valve this past Monday morning. He knew he was going to have it Monday, but he sent him to church last Sunday. He got out of the hospital yesterday. Let me tell you about gifts. I go to the hospital last Monday morning. I get there 6 a.m. For the other pastors, their parishioners have surgery in midday. For me, they do it at 6 a.m. I get there, and I open the door to room 3111, Piedmont, Atlanta. And I open the door... She's there with her son and her future daughter-in-law, and they will get married this Saturday, Jason and Kayla. And there is Nelson Norad and his wife Sandra from their small group. There's Patty Duffy from the small group. There is Harry Peden from the small group at 6 o'clock in the morning. I left my house at 5.15. I don't know when they left it. And I open there, and I just I think to myself, I'm not necessary. God's man of faith and power don't do anything till the man of God. Sh-. I'm thinking, they have worked me out of a job. I praise God for that. Can somebody praise God for that kind of gift? Yeah. 
I got to hurry and tell you that that's what I want for all of you. I want all of you to be in a small group. I want all of you to be in a ministry. I don't want you just come here and see the little Indian tell his jokes. I, I, I don't want you. I don't want you just come like a revolving door here. I want you to make friends and have relationship, so that when life throws you a curve, or the devil throws something at you, or just the way life does, if you have to be in the hospital, somebody will be there before somebody else unexpectedly encouraging you. Can I get an amen? When a baby is born in the family, when a child graduates, when there is a funeral and somebody goes to be with the Lord, I want us to give those kind of gifts that money can't buy. Let, let me hasten to say, oh. Who? Glover. We come to town. We need a pediatrician. She's six weeks old. Jennifer's three years old. We go to Dr. Glover's office. It's right beside the, the, the church. I think it's the Second Baptist Church in downtown. I'm not sure. Central Baptist. You know why there's a Second Baptist, don't you? Because the people in the first couldn't get along. But by the way, you know what? There's a second church of God too, so I don't just beat up on the bed. Uh, he's full of it today. Dr. Glover by then is probably, he's probably in his late 70s. Dr. Glover should have already retired. Very skinny, frail kind of guy. He's got other patients. In, he's a pediatrician. He's got moms, babies, patients in the office. We go in, we take the girls. We introduce ourselves. He comes to see and takes his stethoscope. So, so uh, who are you guys? I'm Alan, this is Valerie, uh, and we were new to town. And you're a pastor? Yes. Oh, this is my church right there across the street. He takes care of the girls, writes a prescription, and tells the nurse, I'll be back in a minute. He said, you come with me. He takes me, stops everybody in the office, to his church across the street, and gives me a grand tour of the whole church. <laughs> I'll never forget what's his name. I mean, Dr. Glover. Gifts, unexpected gifts, Can, genuine. The Bible says when, when they gave the gift, they gave it with genuine joy. I, I don't want to reread it. Exceeding great joy. Every Christmas I have to pray that God will unscrooge my heart. I look, I, I look at the movies around Christmas to get my heart right. I really do. Go ahead and say amen. I've been around a few of you. We are like blood. I look at, it was the night before Christmas, the Christmas carol. I look at the Grinch. I look at what I have to not. We've got a grandson. That's all he wants to watch. By the way, you know, it's, it's just giving. Like, Lakeland will only be small, but so long. He's going to be three next month. Okay. So for the last two Saturday evenings, he's been at our house because of activities his mom and dad has related to church and ministry. And I'm not so sure it's always ministry. You just want to dump the kid on us. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> but at our house, come to the music, if you will, brother. They'll think this is ending soon. Uh, the, he comes and at the fireplace. It's a little rise. on. We got a couple microphones, you know, cordless Toys. Then we got a couple of drumsticks looking thing that looks like microphones, but they were. Well, he doesn't take the microphones. He takes the drumstick. Gives me one and he gets one. Okay? And didn't you see the commercial about how gifts really matter? Do you see the commercial with the kid playing with the box instead of the toy? 
Have you all ever had that? Oh, you go in line and you threaten people to slap them at Walmart. And you get there four o'clock in the morning because you got to have this. Your kids got to have this. Next thing you know, take it out of the box and play with the box. Shabu, this is a crazy America. And you're one of us. And we'll preach. We'll take turns preaching on the fireplace. I'll introduce him as Pastor Lakeland Wordley. And he'll introduce me as Pastor Papa. <laughs> he says, Pastor Papa is coming to preach. Give him a hand. <laughs> and sometimes, Pastor Jeff, at the most inopportune time, I've got something else to do. He wants me to hold him. Or he wants me to take him outside. Or he wants something. Well, you know, I'm only going to get this chance but once in a while. Personal. A gift that will last forever. And so I got this little, I got this little ship, a little boat in my office that I got from being at Niagara Falls years and years ago. Made of the Mist. Ever been there? And we got on the Made of the Mist, went to the falls. And so he liked that boat, so I show him on the video. I, I call it up on the computer, the Made in the Mist and how it goes to the floor. And I'm saying, one day, I'm going to take you there. Talk about memories. My point is, I'm creating memories with him because that's coming a day when he ain't going to be chasing after Papa. You get him in his early teens and he'll see some kind of blue-eyed, blonde hair, somebody. Next thing you know, Papa what? All I want from Papa is the keys and 50 bucks. I close with this. Give it now. If you're going to give forgiveness, give it now. If you're going to give love, give it now. If you're going to give time, give it now. If you're going to give service, do it now. I, I, I have a little phrase there, Mike. One of the slides by Samuel Johnson, I think, is, where, is what I have. And I close with this thought. You see the people ringing the bell at Salvation Army and they're collecting funds. That's a gift. I'm not saying just the people who give it, but the people giving the time. Samuel Johnson said, He who waits to do a great deed of good all at once will never do anything. Please listen to this. Listen to this. It, it, it affected me. Maybe it will affect, and I mean in a good way. Listen to this as I close. They were going to be all they wanted to be tomorrow. None would be braver or kinder than they tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and wearied, they knew, would be glad for a lift and needed it too. And on him they would call and see what they could do tomorrow. Each morning they stacked up the letters they'd write tomorrow. And thought of the folks that would fill with delight tomorrow. The greatest of people they just might have been. The world would have opened its heart up to them, but in fact they passed on and faded from view. And all they had left when their living was through was a mountain of things they intended to do tomorrow. Bow, please. And so, Father, we are students. We are children and you are. You are the Father. And so I pray today, while there are many wonderful things that could have 
been included in this about the wise men. They were not simply wise because they were astrologers and students and well-educated. They were wise because they found value in things that were everyday and somewhat common. They went the extra mile, miles. They traveled for weeks, perhaps months. Their gift was unexpected because they were not Jews and this was a Jewish baby. And yet they gave. And so God, I pray against a spirit of panic. I pray against a spirit of jealousy. Can I get an amen, church? I pray against a spirit of uh, competition. I pray against a spirit of give to get. Oh God, I just pray you to give us the spirit of Jesus Christ. I pray, oh God, that when we sing joy to the world, we will have joy to the world. I pray when we sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, we would mean it. I pray that we'd be willing to give of our time and our talent and our treasure. I pray that we'd be willing to forgive and to go the extra mile. And to understand that the greatest gift has already been given. He is Jesus. Would you say amen? amen. You stand with me, please. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. He's a good God. Now, here's how I'm going to close. You know, I, uh, I like that song you sang earlier, but it may not be convenient because of the different setup. Sing, sing, sing. If you could do that, if not, do whatever you like, because I'm not doing that for a favor later on. <laughs> hey, look, come, come, my prayer team. We're just going to give away the blessing today because it's free. Listen to me. I said, I'm going to close. Not to embarrass you, not to make you feel... Uh, singled out but just everything God does he doesn't do it because he thinks I can pay him back or do him something that nobody else can he just gives and here's what I've learned I've learned sometimes the greatest blessings come to the Marthas and the Sammies and the Eddie and all these because in the midst of their storms they're willing to bless somebody else In the midst of coming out of surgery, in the midst of job change, in the midst of... So one more time, I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to pray over you now. You said, Pastor, I understand about the gifts, but the one gift I haven't received is Jesus. Oh, I have laid that on the shelf, Pastor. And I only deal with that gift at Christmas time or when I'm sick or when I need help with my money or I'm in a tight. And pastor, I want to take that gift off of the shelf of my heart and make it the central focus of my heart. Today, as we approach Christmas, pastor, I want to give the Lord not only my heart, but my whole life. I want to give him, if you're married, I want to give him my marriage. If you have children, I want to give him my children. I want to give him my agenda, my schedule, my priority. I want to give Jesus my all. If you would say that would be me, Pastor. And as you close in prayer, would you remember me? Hold your hand up and I will remember you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Hold it up a moment. Numbers of you. Numbers of you. Thank you. Now raise up your hands together, everybody, all over this church. Let us pray over one another right now. Come on, just begin to pray right now for somebody who needs a gift of salvation. Pray right now for somebody who needs a gift of deliverance from drugs or alcohol or pornography or uh, gambling or anger. Come on, pray. Pray for some people who need gifts that don't need to come in boxes and bows and ribbons. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, many people raise their hands.
And I pray in the, in the power of your word, manifest your gifts among us today. Give us the ability to love the unlovable. Say an amen to that. Give us the ability to forgive the unforgivable. Lord, destroy the pride that keeps us from being used of you. Oh God, I pray that we won't wait for somebody else to move first if you've spoken to us to move and to act in a, in a way that is unexpected and genuine. Make us more like Jesus and make us more like the wise men. Make us more like Mary and Joseph who serve, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus that this Christmas will begin right now. It will not begin on Christmas Eve. It will not begin around a table with a large meal. I pray the Christmas joy will begin in our hearts. Wash away our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. Do not let us be judgmental. Do not let us find fault with everybody or blame everybody. Do not let us blame our genealogy. Wash us and cleanse us. And let's keep giving because you are the gift that keeps on giving. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give my hand clap if you will.